Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good to see everybody here this morning. God bless you. God bless you. We're so glad that you're here. I hope you were encouraged this morning, encouraged to see each other. Summer's winding up. How many of you are excited that school is kind of starting back this week? Anybody excited about that? Parents excited about it? Students not excited about it? I don't know. I'm kind of happy about it. I was whining to my wife yesterday. Uh, I'm glad that everybody's summer's going to be done. We're all going to be kind of back in the flow again. I'm loving that. But selfishly, the school zone's driving, right? The traffic being slower. Why can't school start at 6 o'clock in the morning instead of during morning rush hour? I don't understand that. Maybe I'm being selfish about that. But anyway, I'm really glad about that. I want to invite your attention to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Um, I have my Father's Day terrible towel with me, so I may be doing some cheering this morning. But uh, if, you, if you're interested in anything that says Warehouse Church on, if you want to wear it, to work in the community, have it with you. We got a bunch of stuff. We bought some new hats, got some t-shirts out there, and we don't do it for profit. Everything that we do for that goes into our Warehouse Cares ministry. Uh, Last week, Dave Foster was telling you about a ministry that we are helping that helps the community, and we're going to be receiving donations for that so that we can be a blessing to families that are in need in our area. So if you want to be a part of that, you can get a list of that either from, you can just take a picture of it, it's out at our Warehouse Cares booth, or uh, it'll be on our church Facebook page. And if you're not on our church Facebook page, go to Warehouse Church on Facebook, like it this week, and you'll get all that information from there. So I called my message today, Can I Get a Witness? And I love this passage of Scripture. It's kind of one of those slam dunk passages of Scripture that God gave us to take away any possible doubt what he intends for us to have in order to have a relationship with him. I'm going to read this for you. I hope this is an encouragement to you today. And most of all, we hope that God is honored uh, through the reading of his word this morning. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 6. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross. Not, not by the water only, but by water and blood. And the spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his son. All who believe in the son of God know that their heart, know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. This is, this is kind of drawing a line in the sand on what God intends for us to understand about the seriousness of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. By coming to this world, born of a virgin, allowed, lived a life of 33 years, preached some great messages, preached messages that are even part of our, pop, even part of our culture Uh, For even people that don't maybe have a Judeo-Christian ethical background, right? There are some things that he said on the Sermon on the Mount. There are some things that that he gave uh, when he was teaching that that people will repeat today, right? Uh, Things like, 
uh, when, it, when, when, when Jesus was talking about turning the other cheek and we're only we're supposed to treat people the way that we intend to be treated ourselves, the golden rule, you've heard that before. Uh, Jesus is often misquoted too. Uh, some of the things that he said in scripture uh, kind of get mumbled and jumbled up and made to fit and conform to our lives instead of us conforming to him. But I think it's interesting when you read this passage of scripture that it talks about this idea of the testimony. Now, we talked last week about how in Psalm 119, all the way back in the Old Testament, Psalm 119 is a, is a psalm of 176 verses where the entire chapter is dedicated to us understanding the importance of God's word in our lives. And one of the words that is used to refer to God's word is this word called testimony. It's a, it's a judicial term, right? If you go to court, you get called to be a witness of something that you saw firsthand, you're sharing your testimony. And I love the idea when we talk about witnessing and sharing our testimony, it's not like this really, really weird thing where we're knocking on people's doors and scaring them to death, thinking we're fanatics. A testimony is something that you're sharing that is true about your life, right? You give testimony of things that happen good in your life. You give testimony of things that happen bad in our lives. My wife was up here today and shared with you, and she got a little emotional this morning. We had a little granddaughter born this week. She was born on Wednesday, and she gave testimony to that. Now, if you saw any pictures that my family put up on Facebook this week, you'll know she gave testimony of something she saw firsthand because she was in the operating room when Kelsey had her cesarean section this week. So not only was she able to say, yes, my daughter had a baby, but she was a firsthand witness and was able to give testimony. And if you know my grandkids, she looks just like her sister and brother, so you know she's a hadrick anyway. But she was able to give firsthand testimony of something that she personally experienced. Now that's what I believe God expects us when he tells us in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 that we're supposed to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world, of what? Of something that we have personally experienced, okay? So now when he's talking about this passage of scripture here, he also gives another principle that I, that, that's judicial, that has to do with legal and court system. He says that, that there are three witnesses, the Holy Spirit, water, and the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, those aren't really things that you would put in sentences together. Yeah, da, 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 so thankful for the Holy Spirit, and people got baptized in water, and we're going to talk about the blood of Jesus today, right? That really doesn't maybe flow into a sentence that you would have. But here, here's what God is saying in, in this passage uh, through his apostle John. Not only is there living testimony of people that saw it, but God's Spirit gave testimony. His water baptism gives testimony. The blood that he shed on the cross gives testimony. I want you to know that I've done everything I can to get the word out there that Jesus is my son. He died on the cross so that you and I can have forgiveness of sins. He, he resurrected from the dead three days later. He ascended back up into heaven, and he's coming back someday to take the church home. God wants us to know that this is true. And, there's, and it's very significant because there is, and there was, even back here, only maybe 30, 40, 50 years after Jesus was alive, some false teaching about the identity of Jesus. Uh, in the book of Matthew, Jesus was called a liar and a false teacher. Matthew 27, 63, it says, uh, Sir, we remember what the deceiver once said while he was alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. That's what they were saying about Jesus. They said he was a deceiver. And he was telling people 
as a deceiver that he was going to be resurrected from the dead three days later. Jesus was called a fanatic, a madman. He was even called a Jewish patriot. He, the people didn't want Jesus to come to this world to save people from their sins. What the Jews wanted was Jesus to come and release them from Roman oppression uh, that they were experienced because Rome, the Roman government was in charge of the whole world at the time and they were very oppressive. They taxed them high. They treated them unfairly. Jesus refers to these kind of things that happened uh, that the Roman guards were doing to Jewish, Jewish citizens all of the time. And, and because of this, these Jewish patriots, if you will, wanted Jesus to come, set up an earthly kingdom where all the disciples were going to be in charge of everything. Really, that is the core of the belief of the disciple that betrayed Jesus named Judas. He was hanging out with Jesus, hoping he was going to get a good spot when Jesus dethroned the Roman government and took his place in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, that's not why he came. He said in Luke chapter 17, verse number 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He came so that you and I can have a relationship with God and forgiveness of sins. Jesus was called sacrilegious. The disciples were out doing, the, doing healings and this and that and doing all kind of stuff that Jesus called them to do. And they got hungry and Jesus went to somebody and asked for some food and they fed him and it was on the Sabbath, right? Now the principle of Sabbath is a lot different today than it was if you're a little older or older than me. You remember Sundays were a lot different in our culture 30, 40, 50 years ago than they are today. Uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago, there was hardly a store open on Sunday. Uh, I remember growing up that the liquor store wasn't open on Sunday, right? I don't know why, but the liquor store wasn't. I don't even know why I know that, and I apologize to you for that this morning. But I remember growing up. I remember when I was in Bible college working in a convenience store that if you worked in a store that sold any alcohol that was above, that was above 6%, you sold no alcohol on Sunday. So they had... And I might be off on the percentage of this. Jack can uh, correct me after church because I know he's an expert. But uh, they had 3.5% volume by alcohol beer. Is that, is that the right number? I told you he knew. He's shaking his head right here this morning, right? Now, you could buy beer on Sunday at the 3.5% alcohol level, but the sin level hits at 7%. So as soon as it hits 7%, nope, not on Sunday, right? Uh, I, don't, I think it was called the, was it called the blue law? Back in the day when you, you, you couldn't go grocery shopping on Sunday, I had, we, our, my dad's store was across the street from, uh, from Second Baptist Church in Media, and we had a big church crowd that came in after church, and we actually had somebody come in after church one day, bought some hoagies from my dad's store, telling my dad, you ought not to be open on Sunday because of the blue law, you should be closed and honor this day because it belongs to the Lord, and my dad said, well, who would have made your lunch today? Because they were, you know, bringing money into our store and, and buying our food. So, I don't know, whatever. But Sunday is looked at a lot differently today than it was, you know, in, in, in years past. But in years and years and years past, if you read about the Sabbath, and you read through the Old Testament, and what God desired for his chosen followers, his chosen family, the Jewish nation, and all of the laws, the Sabbath was a big, big, big deal. They couldn't work on the Sabbath. They couldn't do anything but worship on the Sabbath. They weren't even allowed to tend to their sheep and cows and stuff like that. The only way they were allowed to tend uh, to, 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 their, uh, to their livestock 
was if like something fell and was dying and then they were allowed to do it, they were allowed to pull that livestock out of that hole, save its life, but then they still had to tell the priest about it so the priest would know that they weren't actually working on the Sabbath day. So these 1,000, 1,500 years later, Jesus comes to the earth. They're still observing the Sabbath. Jesus said, you guys are messing up the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not for you, it's for him. It's so that you can remember him. God set a day apart so that you would remember him, so that you would worship him, so that you would reflect upon him, so that you would still be in dependence on him. But he fed the disciples one day. And the, and the, the, the Jewish people went crazy over it. All the Jewish leaders said, he's working on the Sabbath. And if you broke Sabbath law, way back in the Old Testament, if you read through Leviticus, if you broke, through, broke Sabbath law, you could be taken out of the city and stoned. Like, man, that's pretty hardcore and serious, isn't it? So when they were accusing this of Jesus, and Jesus said, you can't tell me what, and this is paraphrasing, of course, you can't tell me what to do on the Sabbath. He said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And when he said things like that, they were like, <gasps> he said, what? He is sacrilegious. He's going against everything we believe. And they got all turned. And here's what Jesus said about the religious people of the day and how they looked upon him in John chapter one. They said that Jesus said this, he came into his own and his own received him not. He came to the Jewish folks, they didn't receive him. He came to the religious people that were praying and saying that they were believers and followers of God and they didn't even acknowledge that he was come, the savior of the world. All, prophesied all throughout the Old Testament. But here's what they did. You say, why is that relevant? I think it's interesting because here's what the religious people did back in Jesus' day. They went in the Old Testament and they treated the Bible like a buffet, Right? Now, buffets are beautiful things sometimes, aren't they? You look out and you see all this food. I think COVID kind of hurt some buffets because, it, you know, there's a little bit. Just the fact that you're going somewhere and picking food out of something that's covered by a sneeze guard, that's a little bit gross, isn't it? But you know what buffet stands for? I have to say this once a year so that people are reminded of that. Buffet stands for big, ugly, fat folks eating together. So just so you remember that. But the people treated a buff uh, the Bible like that. They would, look at, they would look at the Bible, and they would go, well, I like this, and we're going to apply this to our life. Eh, I don't like that over here. That's not really part. And doesn't that happen today, right? We look at stuff in the Bible, and we'll go, oh, I really like that. I'm submitted to that. Jesus is Lord of all, da-da-da-da-da. But, you know, the tithing thing, that was Old Testament. I don't need to do that, right? Or when it comes to being faithful in church, yeah, you know, that's... That, 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 there's some circumstances in this and that. I don't really need to do that. And we pick out what we like and we don't like when the fact of the matter is this whole Bible, if we believe it, we're saying God is truth. If we don't believe it, we're saying God is a liar. Because if God says it's true and we say it's not true, then we're calling God a liar. You say, well, I would never say that. Well, you do by your belief system whether or not you believe what he says he is. So they call Jesus sacrilegious. They say that he was a mortal man and a good prophet. But that's not the truth. His authority and deity were questioned constantly by religious leaders. Again, he came into his own, his own received him not. His authority and deity were not wholly accepted by the people who he revealed himself to. And to be honest with you, church, his deity and authority is really not accepted today. Now, you may know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you may be at a place in your life where you've given Jesus 100% ownership and authority in your life.
But I think a lot of people that say they believe in Jesus believe in Jesus more of a historical fact than they do as the king and the savior of their life. So let's talk about the reliable truth that proves Jesus was the son of God in this passage of scripture this morning. So here's the first thing this morning I want to share with you. God declared Jesus to be his son to a lot of people that heard it or to many witnesses. That's significant. When Jesus was baptized in Matthew chapter 3 verse uh, 13 it says, Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. So I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you. He said, so why are you coming to me? And Jesus said, it should be done for we, we must carry out all that God requires. We could talk a whole sermon on that. So John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and Jesus, they saw the, the Spirit of God descending like a dove, settling on him, and a great voice from heaven said, this is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. God told, God told everybody that was there the day that Jesus got baptized, this one right here, and if there's any doubt, the, the heavens are opened up, my voice is coming down from heaven. I want you to know this is my son and I'm pleased by what he's doing today. God declared that Jesus Christ was his son. That's significant, church. For us to understand that the creator of the universe sent his son to this world, not only to die on the cross, but to be, again, risen up from the dead three days later so we can have a relationship with him. And God was pleased by that. He declared Jesus uh, to be his son. And a lot of people heard it that day. They were what? They were witnesses. They were witnesses of what God did in their life. Uh, there's another reliable truth that's talked about in this passage of scripture, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. And we read about Jesus' crucifixion in Matthew chapter 27. It says in verse 45, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until about three o'clock. And at three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma back Sethani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me or forsaken me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for a prophet. One of them ran and filled a spudge with sour wine and held it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But he rested and said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes down to save himself. Then Jesus shouted again, released his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split apart, and what we, what we read then in verse number 54, it says, the Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened, and here's what one of the Roman officers said there that day, truly this man was the son of God. The centurion made a declaration that day, Jesus poured out all of his blood because the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, without the shedding of blood... There's no forgiveness of sins. Jesus did that, that awful, awful personal torture he endured so that you and I can have our sins forgiven, so that we can have a relationship with him. And God gives testimony to that in his word. His word is true. His word is whole. Here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit, the, God's Holy Spirit also gives testimony to the truth of Jesus. Now, Church, I, I want you to hear this about the Holy Spirit this morning. In John chapter 15, it says, but I'm going to send you an advocate. Jesus says this, the spirit of truth. He's going to come to you from the Father, and here's, here's the ministry 
or one of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit, okay? It says that he will testify about me. Now, we understand without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. We understand that Jesus came, lived 33 years, died, rose again. He's up in heaven someday. He comes up to heaven. Jesus said he's going to send a comforter down to us, an advocate, somebody that kind of represents us, but somebody that also lives inside of us. 1 Corinthians 7, we talked about this last week as well, that uh, the Holy Spirit indwells us. We become God's temple. And if you don't understand the significance of that, read in the Old Testament what the Old Testament says about the temple of God. When Solomon dedicated the temple of God and fire came down from heaven and all the priests bowed down because they had not seen anything like this in their whole life, when God's presence filled the temple, it's the same thing that happens to you and I at the moment of salvation when we accept Christ as Savior, God's presence fills our lives. That's why some people get stuck on this feeling thing. Well, I, I asked Jesus to come into my heart, but I, I didn't really feel anything. You know, we get stuck on that feeling thing, right? We love the feels, right? We want to know it's there. We want to kind of, we want the tangible thing when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Jesus told us in John chapter 20, Thomas, the only reason you're believing in me is because you saw me, you touched me, and you, you were in my presence. Doubter. He's called Doubting Thomas, right? And then it says, blessed are those who will never see me yet still will believe. That's you and I, right? Jesus did all of those things, and the Holy Spirit inspired people to write this book. The Holy Spirit preserved this book and the Holy Spirit is who speaks into our hearts today to help us to understand that this is true. God's Holy Spirit will reveal to you, yeah, this is right, or no, I don't, maybe I need to understand it a little bit more. Maybe you are someone that you, when you heard the message of Jesus Christ the very first time, you were like, oh, I get that. And, and you, were just, you were just obedient and listening to the Holy Spirit. I was not an early, I was not an easy believer, uh, I, was, I felt very conflicted uh, because of my, my dad was not a believer and didn't go to church, and my mom was a believer and was kind of Taliban about taking us to church a little bit. I mean, we Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night visitation, Wednesday night, Thursday night prayer meeting, Friday night youth meeting, and we were at church six, seven days a week. And it was, it was, it was important to her, and that's the way she wanted us raised. But my dad, his, his big thing and his thing that he was pursuing in his life was work and the store and money, and I wanted to hang out with my dad. I didn't want to go to church. So when I would go to church, I was one of those people in church that would just kind of sit back there going, oh, I can't wait for church to be over. You know, I, I remember, and the bad thing was, and I, I hope, Kelsey said something funny to me this morning when she was in my office um, with, uh, with Cameron. I was talking, oh, you're bringing, I can't believe you're here today, four days after cesarean, I can't believe you're here. I didn't tell her to come to church today. She goes, yeah, I just feel better. I'm really ready to get out of the house and this, this, this. Said, Good for you, go girl. And she's, well, I wanted to bring Cammie to church today so I could bring her into church so that she could hear you and take a nap. <laughs> I don't know if I took that the right way. I don't know if she intended it to be that way, right? But I wasn't an easy believer. Like, I get it when the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, quench not God's Holy Spirit, or don't. Don't block the spirit when he's trying to teach you something in your life. Sometimes we do that. Did you ever hear something? Oh, I don't want to hear that right now. Oh, I don't want to hear that right now. Don't tell me that right now. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't know. And sometimes we don't want to know because if with knowledge comes what? Accountability. 
right? So if with knowledge comes accountability. If we hear something that the Lord's revealing to us that we need to do in our lives, what do we have to do? We got to change. We got to change habits. We got to change priorities. We got to change our destination, eternal destination, when it comes to having a relationship with Christ. And all these things happen in our lives. And when you understand that the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to understand this, John chapter 16, Jesus talks about it continued. He said, he, Jesus says this, he, the Holy Spirit, will bring me glory by telling you whatever he received from me. So there's unity in the Trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the creator of this universe, we read about that in the book of Genesis. When God said, let us make man in our own image, God's plural Godhead being was all the way back in eternity past and was present at creation. John chapter 1 gives testimony to that. So if I'm, as I'm telling you these things, I'm not sharing things with you with, that are based on an opinion that I have of the Bible. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And that's what God wants us to receive this morning, the truth of his word. Because without the Bible truth, you don't need to come here and do a big rally, rally time on moral living. You don't need me to tell you how to live. You don't, need me, you don't need to hear my opinions on different things, right? I was talking to my friend Kevin this week. Everybody has opinions, and opinions are like underarms. Everybody has them, and most of them stink, right? And we have to be careful about when it comes to opinions of religion or opinions of politics or opinions about stuff, because we like getting on that soapbox of our opinions. Well, I think this person should be president, and I think we ought to be voting this way, and I think we ought to be doing this, and I think we ought to be doing that. The Bible says we're supposed to be witnesses of Jesus, right? And let his light shine through us, not so that the vote happens the way we want it to happen, or not so this agenda happens the way we want it to happen, so that our light will shine out to people so that what? God will be glorified and people will come to know him as personal savior. The Holy Spirit gives testimony of the truth of Jesus. Here's number four, the combined testimony of the three in verse seven and eight, again in 1 John chapter five. So now we have three witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And all three agree. So if you're in court and you're called to give a testimony about something, something you saw, something that you were a witness of, something that took place, and then they call a second person to come in. Hey, could you tell me what happened on this and this date? Blah, 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 blah. And you give the same words that the person before you gave because you were an eyewitness and you gave testimony of it. And then they bring a third person in. Hey, they're not asking you what these other two people, hey, was that person, is what they said true? Is the second person what they, no, 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 what they're doing is tell us what you saw on that day and you're giving what? A personal testimony of what happened. That goes all the way back to the Old Testament. That's not just from the American judicial system, church. That's from the word of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, it says, you must not convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of just one witness. The facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Fast forward a couple thousand years. First John. Holy Spirit tells us through the inspiration. He told John, I have three witnesses for you that can tell you today that Jesus Christ is God's son. He died. He's alive. And if you want to have a relationship with God, you can only do it through him. He did the shake and bake, slam dunk, end of story. He wanted us to know that this is the truth. This is essential for us having a relationship with God. And here's why. If we don't believe God's church, listen to this. This is, this is about us today. 
If we don't believe God's word is the truth, then what we're saying by our lifestyle is that God is a liar. And that sounds harsh. Um, I said last week or the week before, and, and, and I've had a great discussion with somebody about it this week. Uh, my friend Dave, we were talking about it this week. We were talking about when I said a couple, I, I don't know if I said it last week or the week before that, that it's okay if you get mad at God. And I saw a couple people when I said that, their heads kind of jerked back a little bit. What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? I think it has to do with an understanding of us not understanding God sometimes. Because I know this, and I say this with humility in my heart, with no disrespect to our Heavenly Father. If I was God, I would do things different. Right? Would you? I mean, just be honest. Would you do things a little bit differently sometimes? Like, I would have won the Mega Ball, Powerball lottery a couple of weeks ago. If I was God, I would have, the right ping pong balls would have went down the right holes and all that would have, if I was God. Now, that's not saying my way is better. That's just saying I would have done things differently. And you're like, oh, you know, God, our Father in heaven, deity, I believe he's the great I am. We could say, oh, we could sing all that stuff about Jesus that we sang this morning. We could sing all that stuff. We could listen to that stuff. We can agree with that stuff. But the truth of the matter is, if we're not applying these things to our lives, like we can agree with what happened. Yes. Do you think we need to be in church? Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together because it's important for us to be around fellow believers. Yes, I believe that. The application comes by how you put that into action, right? You say you believe that the Bible says this. If I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. You don't believe it if you're not applying it to your life. And that's what the Bible says about what you say, what God's saying about himself. You could say that you believe in God. You could say that you believe in Jesus. You could say that this is true about your life, but it's really not true because the Bible says this, by your fruit or by your works, you're going to know them. We prove or disprove our personal belief system in God by the way that we talk and the way that we live. That's kind of scary, that we are a living manifestation, a living representation of God's holy word. Because if God didn't need us to share our testimony with other people, then at the moment of salvation, we could have went up into heaven, which would have been awesome, right? That would have been great if that would have happened. But God left us here to tell other people, yes, this is true. This is what God did in my life. I was this. I was that. I'm not perfect, but I gave my heart and I put my faith and trust in Jesus and my relationship with God is secure and you can have that as well. But if we don't believe God's word, we're, we call him a liar. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony or this word is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar and they don't believe that God is the one that said that Jesus is his son. That's pretty strong. So if we don't believe in God's word, we call God a liar. Jesus is God's only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his what? His only begotten son. So here's the question I'm going to ask you today. And this is the last thing I'm going to talk about today. All of this. You say, okay, I, nothing new. A lot of repetitive stuff this month. We're winding down. Next week is a home run message on the security we have in our relationship with Christ. I really hope that you'll be here because if you've ever struggled with your security that God is not going to remove his gift of salvation from you when you do something bad or do something stupid or struggle with your belief system sometimes, it's a great, great, great application of the end of the uh, book of 1 John in chapter number 5. But I want you to hear this this morning. 
Jesus said to Peter and his disciples one day, they were, they were doing something and Jesus said, hey, I want, who do people say that I am? He's kind of taking a little bit of a survey. Um, who do people say that I am? And the, the, the disciples were like, well, some people say this. They say that, that you were Isaiah. Some people say you were Elijah. Some people say this. Some people say that. And then Jesus asked this very poignant question that I want to ask you this morning. Who do you say that he is? Right? Who do you say that he is? And I'm not just talking about publicly. I'm, hey, I'm in church today. I believe in Jesus. Right? I, uh, hey, it's really, really easy to be a Christian on Sunday morning in church. Super duper easy. Right? A little harder on Friday night at 8 o'clock at night. A little harder on sometimes Sunday morning before we come and we don't really feel like, oh, I don't really want to go to church today. Is it that important? I could just watch online, right? Nothing but love to our online watchers this morning, of course, right? But, right, you show what you believe by the way that you live. I always think it's funny, and, I, and I, I'm very careful of this too. I've been on this, I've been on this, um, this up and down thing in my life when it comes to my weight. Does anybody like that? Say amen. I didn't ask you to raise your hand. I just said amen. And I, I would always crack up. I have a friend of mine back in Philadelphia that when people kind of get on a weight thing and trying to get healthy again and do this, 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 he's the first one to give like, hey man, what you need to do is you need to cut the carbs out. You need no sugar. You need to do this. You need to do, you know, a couple miles of cardio every day. And man, he is just blurting that stuff out to you. And he weighs 350 pounds. The message is not matching the lifestyle. So what does that mean? There's no credibility in the message. Would you agree with that? So we would invite somebody to church and say, you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Is the message matching your testimony? You hear the crickets across the street? They're kind of they're screaming at us right now a little bit. Me too, right? So Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? In verse number 16 in Matthew, uh, verse 16 in Matthew chapter 16, Simon Peter gave an answer, and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? And Jesus said, boom, you got it. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. Peter gave the right answer. Peter didn't always give the right answer. Peter was kind of a fireball. He would just kind of chuck stuff out there, do things, say things, very bombastic kind of a guy, big, big, big personality. But Jesus said, boom, you got that one right, Peter. And upon this rock, not you, but upon that statement, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. So we look at that and go, okay, Peter got it. He got it. He understood. What do you say? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's only begotten son that came to this world and died so that we can have a relationship when we say God's word, we, we kind of look at that as a, that's what we call the Bible, God's word. Listen, God's word is what he said, and God's word is truth. It's written for us here so that we have a testimony or an account of it. But if God said it, right, he wants us to believe it and be settled with it because that is only true truth. Our true truth today is not in government. Government, you know, and that's an easy thing to say today, right, because our we, you know, we've been kind of going through a lot of things the past couple years with the pandemic, with all the weird election stuff. Whatever side you're on, I don't care. I love you anyway. All this, all this stuff that co- that's caused us to doubt, and it causes us to doubt, and it causes us to doubt. That goes all the way back in the 90s when we saw a president publicly, right, came out of, of, of this accusation and still won an election after committing immorality. 
And that just, man, that just rocked like this whole thing in our world today when it comes to morality. So is morality that important? We're told today everywhere we go, it's not about morality. It's not about truth. It's not about his way or that way. You need to let people, and I love the statement because it's said all the time, live out their own truth. That's not what the Bible says. So if we disagree with that, if you disagree with that statement, you're kind of viewed as somebody, well, you're not patient, or you're not accepting, or you're, that's hate language. If you don't agree with what I want to do with my life, that's hate language. Well, wait a minute. I'm not saying I hate you. I can disagree with you because I believe this. That doesn't mean I hate you. I just want you to believe this because I want you to have a relationship with Jesus. And we have to be so careful. I, I, was, in a, uh, I was in a place a couple, when I, was, when I was visiting my friend in Jersey, we went out to lunch. A big, big poster on the wall. Everyone's welcome here, but do not talk about religion or politics, right? And we weren't in there five minutes. So my, my buddy's a pastor in South Jersey. We weren't in there five minutes. Hey, preacher, did you see what happened on the news this week? And this guy was going like crazy about all this this stuff that's like really, really relevant, like with everything that's happening that we see in news and this and this and that. And I leaned over to Tim and I said, hey, are we supposed to be doing this right now? Because this is kind of, I don't want to get kicked out of here. This is a really good salad we're having here. He says, I'm not saying nothing, but I'm loving everything that he's saying, right? So we were kind of engaged like that. But we feel like it's got, if you don't agree, then we have to disagree. And if we disagree, we have to hate each other. That's not, that's not, that's not our message. We don't draw people to Christ because the way we disagree with them. We draw people to Christ by the way, 1 John, we love them. You're not going to bring people to Jesus by disagreeing with them, by picketing. That's not going to draw people to Christ. What's going to draw people to Christ is people see the light that's in us. I want you to think about something and we're going to pray. I have a friend that when we have a serious thing that's going on in our life, I call them and I ask them to pray for me. Hey, can you pray for my daughter? Can you pray for Mary Ann? Can you pray for this? Can you pray for that? This is important in our lives. Pray for our church. Pray for this. Pray for that. And I count on that person because I really truly believe in their very personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I know that they have a walk with the Lord. Their, their life is, is like a living, living demonstration of that. I see their faith lived out. They're not perfect, right? But I believe that that, that person, it's just like, I, I just believe when they're praying, it's almost like maybe there's something inside of me that believes he's got kind of a front row seat in heaven a little bit. I had a professor in college. His name was Eli Haru, and he's with the Lord right now. And I remember listening to Eli Haru pray. When, you know, when you go to Bible college or seminary, there's a, you're in classes, it's just like going to college, and they're giving you a lot of information that you have to write down, that you have to remember, that you have tests on, and I'm working a third shift job, so like, I'm just like, I'm in survival mode when I was in school, but I remember him specifically in this Old Testament history class. He would bow his head and close his eyes, and I'm just telling you, when that guy was praying, he believed he was in the presence of God talking to the creator of the universe. I don't mean this disrespectfully because I bow my head and close my eyes in honor to the Lord when I pray. I would watch him pray because I was so caught up in it. I'd say, man, that dude is just talking to God. Do people talk to you like that? Do they lean on you like that? 
Do you get called for prayer requests? Do you get called for spiritual encouragement? I'm not, it's not a judgment statement, church. I promise you it's not. Because here's the thing. Who we say he is, it's not by us saying that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. It's by us living it out every day. Are you proving by the way that you live your life and by your belief system that Jesus is alive? Here's what I want for me, and I want it for everybody that's part of our church family, everybody that's here this morning. If you're not part of our church family, you can become part of our church family very easy. We got a starting point class with some free lunch right after church. Anybody that wants to come is invited to that is right down this hallway. Here's what I want for you this morning, and I want it for my life too. I want people to believe me. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. <gasps> You're a what? But you, I don't want that. What do you do on Sunday? I go to my church. You go to church on Sunday? Woo, you need church, don't you? I need church. I'm not just here because this is my job. I need to be in church. But does your lifestyle prove your belief system? See, that's what 1 John was saying. This book of 1 John, strong letter, strong, strong, strong passage this morning. If we believe it, then we're validating it by the way that we live. If our lifestyle doesn't reflect it, then what we're saying that God is a liar. So this week, don't be discouraged by that. Be encouraged by that. This week, know that somebody's watching you, right? What's that song? I always hear that somebody's watching me. They're watching, but God's watching. So we want to live for an audience of one. We want God to be honored and glorified in everything that we say and do. And we want the truth that we believe to be lived out in our life every single day. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for this great letter written by your, one of your most beloved disciples. Lord, sometimes the Bible can, be, can feel very historical with facts and dates and, you know, things like that. But this is your truth preserved so that we can read this. also believe that people that don't know Christ are dying and destined to hell. Well, that's not, not, what's, it's not, I'm not being mean, I'm not being judgy. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 15, whoever's not found written in the book of life is going to be cast into the lake of fire. You're not doing it. God provided a way. We want people to accept that way. God so much proved himself that he let his son die just so people would accept that. People still don't believe. We can't make them believe. But what we can do is say that we believe and live a lifestyle that's contrary to it. So that when people see, you don't believe that that's true because you're not living that out in your life. You don't believe people without Jesus are going to die and go to hell. Because if you really believe that, you would persuade me a little bit more. You would invite me to church a little bit more. You would pray for me a little bit more. Or you would live out your salvation in front of me a little bit more. We really do prove or disprove what we believe about Jesus, not in our words, but our lifestyle. 
So I, I just want to ask you, this is really, really directed towards people that know Christ as Savior this morning. If you know Christ as your personal Savior this morning, would you pray this morning and ask God to help you to be a light, to help your lifestyle prove what you believe about Jesus Christ is true? Pastor, I want my life to be a consistent message of what I believe about Jesus. If that's true about you this morning, lift up your hand in the air and I'll pray with you today, okay? Father, we love you. We thank you. We honor you. Lord, you're not a liar. You're not dead. Your son is alive. Your son did all those things so that we can have forgiveness, so that we can have wholeness, so that we can have a relationship with you. And first of all, we thank you. We honor you for that. The, the, the demonstration of that love is beyond our capacity, Lord, as human beings. But we desperately need that from you this morning. We thank you for it. We pray that the words that were spoken today bring honor and glory to you, that, that it was 100% accurate by, by, by what you intended for this passage of Scripture to say, and that your Holy Spirit would, would kind of break barriers down in our hearts to help us to understand this truth so that we would live it out for you this week. Where we have a couple weeks left in this, but we got so many things we're going to talk about this fall by being rooted and built up in Him, by just a lot of uh, great things that, that, to, to help us as believers to know what we believe and to be ready to give a defense of what we believe in this culture, this crazy counterculture of biblical values and things. We, we don't want to be anti-people. We just want to be pro-you. So Lord, use us. Help us understand who you are in our lives this morning. Help us shine brightly. Even this week, Lord, I, I pray over every man and every woman that's in this room that you would give us uh, an appointment that's ordained by you that we can invite someone to church or talk to them about Jesus this week and that you would be the center of that conversation and that you would be honored and glorified that we would obey you when it comes time to have that conversation this week and talk about you. We love you and we honor you. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody say it with me this morning. Amen. Hey, thanks.